shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. Welcome back, my friend, or welcome for the first time. Either way, great to have you. I appreciate you and your time to listen to this podcast or watch this video podcast. I'm Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. I'm all about helping you raise your level of understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you've made it, my friend. Join this absolutely phenomenal brute... No, that's not a word... (laughs) Uh, I should have quit while I was behind this great autistic community. You hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel, whether it's Orion Kelly podcast, Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, and you're there, my friend. And, and trust me, you go through the comments and you go to the live streams, you'll find out this is really an amazing, awesome community. And, you know, you can just ask questions in the comments and other members will of the community will just answer them back. Like it's a really supportive, amazing community. Our community, we build it together. So thank you. All right. Let's go again. This is probably the worst start to a podcast I've ever had. And you could say, well, Orion, just clean it up. Just edit it. Make it sound good. Well, why? What's the point in that? Then I'll sound like a radio station. No one wants to sound like a radio station. All right, here we go. So on this podcast, my friends, we're going to talk about sleep. And you know what? When When I say sleep, I hope you don't go yawn. Because uh, it isn't. It's this is a really, trust me. This is an absolutely fascinating discussion. This is a whirlwind adventure into sleep disturbances and autistic people, neurodivergent people, for that matter. So why, why do we struggle with sleep? That's what we're going to talk about. What I want to do, I want to go through some research, and I also want to talk about some, well, some examples that make it. Easy for you to understand and go, oh, hang on, that's me. As a starting point, research suggests that up to 80% of autistic people experience some sort of sleep disturbance. 80%. Wow. Now, when you have a sleep disturbance on a regular basis, it's not good. It affects your daily life. It affects your overall health and well-being. Again, I didn't say the right word. Clean it up, Orion. It's not a radio station. It's a podcast. All right. What about you? I know you can't answer, but you can in the comments and stuff. Is this, like when I say sleep disturbances, bad sleep, sleep problems, you go, yep, that's me. Well, I'll give you some examples. First, in my experience, okay? So I've always struggled with sleep, but I always feel like I'd like to sleep. And there's a couple of paradoxes there to get through. The first one is I am always tired, right? I am always tired and I always want to sleep or nap. However, I struggle at nighttime getting to sleep and staying asleep all my life. So I can remember 
you know, even when I was in my, I don't know, teens and 20s, I would roll around in bed for hours. I mean, we're talking just rolling around in bed for hours, not being able to go to sleep. And the rolling around and the frustration and the agitation of not being able to go to sleep would, of course, make it harder to go to sleep. And then I'll get later and later. And, you know, maybe it's an autistic thing. I'd always look at the clock. The worst thing you can do when you're in bed trying to go to sleep is look at the clock. You know, you've got like those clock alarms or whatever, your phone, whatever. Worst thing you can do. And I'd always do it. And that would make me more agitated and more upset. And it's like, why can't I go to sleep? And, this would, and of course, it would be worse on days you knew you had something big the next day or whatever. But that's, you know, anyone can get anxious. But it didn't really matter. I just struggled. Now, because of that, I was in sleep debt all the time, right? And when you're in sleep debt, you don't function well. And if you're an autistic person, you know, with the challenges you face in many different aspects, well, you know, interactions and sensory stuff, routine changes, this makes it even worse because you're not even at your highest level of functioning because you haven't slept. So it just snowballs and you never catch up. And what's really interesting is if you ask my kids, you know, your, your, your daddy is sleeping, like, how would you describe him? I guarantee you they'll just say, oh, he sleeps all the time. <laughs> He's always asleep. And this is the most bizarre thing, but I know it's true. The one thing that has, for the most part, fixed my ability to go to sleep at night and stay asleep is becoming a dad, <laughs> having kids, having young kids. It wears me out, man. There's no, <laughs> there's no issues there now. It's, it's, it's funny. Uh, now, maybe that's not true completely, but honestly and truly, just the sheer exhaustion of parenting an autistic kid, parenting young kids, it, it's never helped my sleeping better. Like nothing I've ever tried has helped my sleeping better. In my, you know, teens and 20s and stuff, certainly my 20s, I'd go to doctors and they'd give me tablets, like medicated tablets to help you sleep. And they wouldn't even work. They wouldn't help me sleep. I, they wouldn't work. It's like they weren't strong enough to get through to whatever was my issue. I tried those. And then you try things like, you know, herbal, like there's herbal medications and, you know, sleep, sleeping herbal medications. And I think in some countries you can get prescribed uh, melatonin, uh, most countries. In other countries you don't need a prescription. Some countries allow you to literally just walk into a shop and buy like melatonin tablets or melatonin gummies right off the shelf like you're buying a chocolate bar. Uh, that's not the case in Australia. Um, but when I, when I was over in the, in the US recently in Chicago for my, my book thing, I went into one of those shops and I was like, I was blown away. There was virtually an entire shelf of just different brands of melatonin gummies. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, this is amazing. Not so much. You can't. That doesn't exist uh, in Australia. You need prescriptions. But and the thing is, too, the melatonin gummies are different to, from my understanding, the prescribed through it, like a GP or a family doctor melatonin. I think some there's like slow release and there's like fast release or whatever. So like those gummy things that are bang, they work. Where slow release, it kind of helps over the night. And there's different. Anyway, I'm not a doctor. I'm just trying to explain the differences here. So you know, you, you try to you, you try to give a crack to everything on offer. And you do, you just, you just give it a crack. And it didn't seem to work much for me. And I know how horrific a lack of sleep can be for anyone, anyone. Now, as an autistic person, it can, 
it, it has an impact on you because your brain is, is so different and it requires a lot of regulation throughout the day, regulating through things that you know, our brain's not built to handle. And as a result of that, you need all the energy and the sleep you can get. And if you, you're behind and you have a debt, you find it even harder to stay regulated. So the only other thing I'd say before we get onto some examples, and by the way, later on some research, some new research and strategies. The research is fascinating. I just want to say this is something my wife pointed out. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, my wife mentions that, you know, so I don't have any trouble sleeping at night now, but I still seem to nap during a day, you know, whether it's every other day or quite regularly. I just feel tired. I, I, and a lot of times if I don't have a nap, I won't be able to be alert and be a good dad and stuff later in the day. But on the weekends, you know, if I have a nap or whatever, if I just fall asleep, sometimes my wife has posed the question, not a judgment, posed the question. I don't know if you're having naps on the weekends to speed up time to the end of the weekend so you can have, you know, your routine back or because you're tired. That's a really interesting thought. As autistic people, we struggle to sleep at night. We struggle to go to sleep. But then we think, well, hang on. Maybe the two-hour nap during the day might be an issue. Like, are you going to nap for an hour or two in the day? Don't expect to go to sleep on time at night or find it easy to go to sleep. Like, you can't have it both ways. Like, I, I love sleeping and I love naps. But, the, but see, the question posed by my wife, which made me think, why? Why? As an autistic person, do I love naps? Do I love sleeping? One, because I feel a bit tired. But is it actually more because I'm not tired I'm tired of life as it is right now. And if I have a sleep, I can block out that life. I can block out the stuff that's triggering me or the stuff that I'm, I can't do anymore. And then when I wake up, time has passed. Really interesting. It's a really interesting thought. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure if I know the answer to that. But it is funny because sleep hygiene is really important. And I, I looked into this, you know, when I have trouble as an autistic person. You tell me any autistic uh, adult, who wouldn't choose to have, if they could, would have naps on the weekend or, you know, naps during the day or whatever, but then struggles to go to sleep. Well, then I'm thinking, well, maybe you should stop having a nap, right? <laughs> or if, you go, if you're not, you know, and, or maybe you should stop having long naps. So there's so many different issues here. So that's, sure, that's a small little example just from my life, but that doesn't mean that's what's causing your troubles. I mean, there's, there's clear examples of sleep issues faced by autistic people. That isn't just because you nap during the day, but um, it's more the, the motivation of why we like to sleep, why we like to nap. Is it because we're tired or is it because we're tired of life, <laughs> the life around us? So let's go through some examples. Sleeping issues that an autistic person may face. First issue, we've touched on it, falling asleep. This is a big one. This, this is probably one of the most common issues. The difficulty falling asleep for an autistic person. So Why? Well, for me personally, calming your mind at nighttime, calming your body down even at nighttime. Now, that clearly, if you can't calm your body down, if you can't calm your mind down, if it's constantly racing, that's going to lead to insomnia. And also with the falling asleep stuff, falling asleep is hard because maybe you're adjusting your sleep patterns, your sleep schedules. If you have a nap, go to bed later, don't have a nap, go to bed earlier, you're never in a rhythm. And other examples could be things like maybe you travel, time zones, or probably more common, the daylight saving switch. 
you know what I mean? So it only happens twice a year, but I find sometimes that can affect, obviously not only me, but the kids, you know, for weeks after that transitional period, it's tricky. And that wipes, you know, that wipes the whole schedule out and you're back to like starting again. And the funny thing is with the calming your mind, calming your body, uh, just, I just triggered something that I thought, this is what I do now every night. I don't even, it's not, it's not a discussion. I just do it. And again, I'm sharing my personal experiences. Um, I'm not a doctor, a healthcare practitioner, professional, whatever. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not prescribing you. I'm not even suggesting it or advising it. I'm saying what I do at night. It's just my, my sharing experiences. If you want to do stuff like this, talk to doctor first. I have some, some supplements before bed, namely um, magnesium. So I might have, you know, a couple of uh, magnesium um, herbal supplements you just get off the counter before bed and I find that helps me relax my body because I can get things like restless leg and we'll talk about that but so yeah there's there's things you can do and also so how do you calm your mind well you allow your mind to process it and you allow your mind to get it out of a system whether it's writing it down talking talking about it to someone ranting to yourself you do the things you know are going to help you get those things out of the way so you actually are calm in body and mind the thing is, too, you've got to remember your brain uses your sleep to clean out, clean out its like short-term memories. It's like that movie, you know, that kid's movie, is it inside out? Right? So the less, the less sleep you have, the less REM you have, and the less REM you have, the less cleaning time you have to clean out those short-term memories. And if that's the case, you wake up the next day and you've still got short-term memories that haven't been cleaned out that are in your mind from the day before. And my understanding is that shouldn't be the case. It, that impedes on learning and absorbing and growing. And I don't know. I think that's the case. Again, this is what I what I what I understand to be the case with the, the importance of sleeping. So there's so many parts to falling asleep that can really help you because the quicker you fall asleep, the longer you sleep. Waking up, another challenge. It's another common issue. Waking up in the middle of the night, and this is a big one too, having trouble going back to sleep. Don't you hate that? A variety of factors cause this kind of stuff, right? Okay, so you might wake up because you're anxious about the next day. Something's happening the next day. So because of something happening the next day, it could be an appointment or anything, you struggle to go to sleep. You're waking up constantly because you're anxious. And because soon as you, as an autistic person, in my experience, soon as I wake up, I don't even get a second. My brain automatically, bang, starts thinking and racing again. And if there's... Anxiety around something happening, that's the first thing it starts to race about and think about. And then it's like, oh, I can't even get back to sleep now. This is horrible. So anxiety is a big one. Could be sensory issues. Could be physical discomfort. There's so many different things. Either way, we struggle with this waking up in the middle of the night, which is bloody horrible, and we struggle with going back to sleep. And as a dad of an autistic kid, I can tell you, our autistic son, he does all these he struggles massively to go to sleep. He wakes up in the middle of the night all the time and very rarely will he go back to sleep. Now, what do I mean? I mean, so he may be up for the day at four, five in the morning. Sometimes he's up at two or three and we've got to say, listen, man, I'm sorry, you have to go back to sleep, right? And he'll try his best. So it's almost like once you do wake up as an autistic kid, autistic person, like, well, sorry, mate, you're not going back to sleep now. It's just not happening. Another example, sensory issues. 
Sensory issues can affect sleep for autistic people. Now, why? Well, we, as you know, we can be, some are, are not, we can be more sensitive to the senses, to noises, to lights, to textures. That obviously makes it more difficult to fall asleep and stay asleep. So, for example, I might need a blanket over the quilt in winter. When I say I, you know, my wife and I, I need a blanket over our quilt in winter just to be at a nice temperature, to feel warm. Of course, the blanket on top of the quilt can't be up to the point where the blanket would go over the quilt and touch my face or my body because the blanket doesn't feel right to me. But I still want it on me because it keeps me warm. So it's like you get tucking this in, you're tucking this out. It's like all these sensory things. Too much light. Well, we need all these lights on for the boys. When they run into the bed in the middle of the night, we need these night lights on. It's like a runway. Seriously, the strip from our kids' room to our room, you could land a plane on. It's lit like an international runway. Seriously. Anyway, and there's noises. What if it starts pouring rain? What if it's really windy and it's whistling? These things, you know, a lot of people just block them out. You can't block this kind of stuff out, unfortunately, for... You know, certainly me as an autistic person. Let's talk about delayed sleep phase syndrome. Mm, interesting. It's a condition where a person's circadian rhythm is delayed, causing them to naturally fall asleep and wake up later than typical. Listen to that. Causing you to naturally, because the circadian rhythm kind of regulates the sleep phases, causing you to naturally fall asleep and wake up later than typical. Go to bed later, wake up later. Circadian rhythm is off. It's delayed, right? It's not early. It's, that's why it's called delayed. Your sleep phase is delayed. This is a big one. Research suggests that many autistic people actually have a disrupted circadian rhythm. And what that does is that causes irregular sleep patterns. This is a really interesting one, the circadian thing. Like, So I don't know how this is all connected, but me definitely, and I think my son as well, my autistic son. So there's something about the circadian rhythm where for some reason in your, so it's in, in, in built, I guess, in your brain or whatever, you feel warm or, or, or warmer than you should at a certain time. And to me, I've been told it's that kind of six and six that, you know, the circadian, like you might feel warmer at six o'clock and warmer at 6 p.m. or whatever. Anyway, your body temperature goes hotter or warmer or rises at these times based on the circadian rhythm. I could be wrong, but I think that's okay. Anyway, we get warmest at, at, at the wrong times, right? And it's like everything's upside down, the, like the nighttime and the, and the daytime and almost like the perception of the time of the day is affected because of that. Anyway, that's, that's my experience and you're welcome. <laughs> night terrors. Yep. Night terrors. They're intense, huh? They're frightening. There are episodes that can occur during deep sleep and common for autistic people. We actually, be may, we actually may be more prone to night terrors. And what happens? Well, causes us to wake up. But even worse, these night terrors, they, they can be really realistic. You can wake up screaming. You can wake up. For me, um, I've, I've kind of made weird noises. But also, I've woken up completely disorientated. And sometimes I'll wake up not only disorientated, but, you know, I will actually scream or yell or whatever. And this happens a lot in transitional things. And also like when you're traveling, really interesting. Another sleep disturbance that 
which heaps of people may resonate with. Now, we talked about this briefly with the calming the body. Let's talk about it more specifically. Restless leg syndrome. Okay, so calming your mind and body helps you go to sleep, and we have struggles with that. But let's dig deep into this one particular thing, restless leg syndrome. I experience this. My son experiences this. Is it more prone for autistic people? It's an interesting thought. But restless leg syndrome is a, is a condition, right? It's an actual condition. And basically, we experience uncomfortable sensations, for the most part, in our legs. And for me, the best way I describe it is when it's happening, it feels like there are, I don't know, insects or something inside my legs crawling around from virtually from my hip to my toes. And it's just so agitating and so horrible. It's, it, there's no way you can fall asleep like this. It's horrible. Now, I told you at the start with the falling asleep that for me, you know, having some magnesium supplements actually helped me. I'm telling you from my point of view, and just, just in my experience, this is your own decision and you talked about it with your doctor. From my point of view, some magnesium supplements before bed helped me. Like they actually helped me. I do... I have, don't remember the last time I had repeated um, episodes of restless leg syndrome. It's really good. In addition to that, I'd say you've got to drink enough water. If you're one of those autistic people that, you know, are fussy about what they drink, I, I relate to you, right? Like I, I like a bit of flavor in my drink, but I try to drink as much water as I can. And I've kind of got to myself, got to the point now where, you know, I'll pretty much only drink water during the day. I won't have juices or sodas or whatever. And I got around that by because tap water, I don't. The, the thing about tap water is it's the temperature, maybe the taste, but the temperature. So what I do is I get like a big bottle and I fill it with water and I put it in the fridge. And then when I have a drink, it's ice cold water. Now, for some reason, for me, ice cold water is easier to drink, tastes better than like warm tap water, which is disgusting. Anyway, you've got to drink more water. If you if you if you're not hydrated, if you're not drinking enough water, and as you know, water comes from the sky where it's got all sorts of stuff in it, right? Lots of nice space dust. <laughs> it's got good stuff, right? The water is important. It's, it is absolutely going to help you uh, with the restless leg, with all those types of things. So that really helps me. Now, there is some research to say that autistic people may be more prone to restless leg syndrome, and that obviously does affect our ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. Now, for kids, you know, like we don't give our son magnesium supplements but what we do find is you know there's those kind of like in australia i think what's it called i've very i've forgotten i think it's called something like sustagen there's like this kind of drinks they're not protein shakes for adults but they're kind of like you know meal supplemental kind of drinks for kids right drinks that are you know so it's like sustagen chocolate strawberry these kind of things they have all the uh, all the vitamins and minerals i almost said vitamins and mineral and minerals um that kids need. So if we can get out, if we can get you know our autistic kid to have a nice big glass of you know chocolate milk sustagen with all those minerals and vitamins in it before bed, we find that not only fills him up, which is great, but it helps him with the kind of agitation and body movement. And we also know that when he starts to do that, we go, "You haven't you haven't drunk enough today, have you, buddy? You know, like you've got to drink some water." So what we'll do is we'll encourage our son to drink lots of water between getting home from school and going to bed. And that, that helps. Again, just my experience. Another example, parasomnias. <laughs> so I do these. Parasomnias are behaviours that occur during sleep. So we're talking things like sleepwalking, sleep talking. I've been known to do things as like sleep attacking. Yeah, that's right. Like as in I'll be 
attacking someone that isn't there. Or my wife will wake up to me trying to dig my, dig my way out of the carpet, like tunnel my way out of the carpet. What are you doing? You know, I, don't, and I, don't, I never remember it. I don't know. I don't answer either because it's a parasomnia. I'm not awake. Again, autistic people can be more prone to parasomnias. That obviously affects our quality of sleep and also leads to safety concerns because you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's really interesting because from seeing healthcare professionals, I've seen specialists in this field and I definitely do these parasomnias, but also they've diagnosed me with this thing where you know how um, when you sleep, there's like this natural um, disabling of like your movements. So while you're dreaming and sleeping, you're doing it, but you're not doing it. Your body's at rest. For some reason, my body doesn't do that. So I actually physically, my body physically moves and acts sometimes, sometimes in dreams. It doesn't, the like this disabling thing doesn't turn on all the time or something. It's weird. Anyway, I don't know what to say about that. It's just a strange situation. How about this one? Another example of sleep disturbances for autistic people. Bruxism. It sounds like something you'd study at, no, like, you know, year one uni in an arts degree or something. Let's talk about philosophy. Because today in philosophy class, we're talking about Bruxism. Or, or what is this? Uh, Politics 101. Okay, welcome to politics. We've done fascism. Now we're going to do Bruxism. Great. Can't wait. Fantastic. No. Bruxism is a condition where a person grinds their teeth while sleeping. I bet you didn't think that was going to happen. Bruxism. Grinding your teeth while sleeping. Autistic people do this. In fact, are more prone to bruxism due to heightened anxiety levels and our sensory processing issues. Did you know that, my friend? Your teeth. Did you know what you do to them at night time? I bet you're trashing them. Just saying. Insomnia due to anxiety is another sleep disturbance we face. This is big, right? Because it interferes with your ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. If you're anxious, you're anxious. If your heart's racing... You're in trouble. If your brain's racing, you're in trouble. Worries, fears, these keep autistic people up at night. Not just adults, kids, big time kids, next day at school, things happening. It's a big thing to navigate. Final one, clo, clo, No. Just clean it up, eh, Ryan? It's not a radio station, mate. Uh, co-sleeping difficulties. Some autistic people can struggle with co-sleeping. So we're talking about the practice of sleeping in the same bed as a family member, right? From an adult point of view, let's do it from an adult point of view, then kids, adults. You, and we've talked about this before in like sexuality and stuff, right? You may have an, uh, a partner who's neurotypical. You may be autistic, right? And you don't feel comfortable sleeping in the same bed as them. Or you may now, but through the dating phase or whatever, you just you could never fall asleep. That's the thing. It's not like you don't want to be with them. But it's like, no matter what you do, you can't fall asleep in a bed with someone. This was always my issue through dating. Some, even, I mean, I liked them, but for some reason, I'd struggle to fall asleep in bed with someone else. It was like everything I was doing was on eggshells. And it wasn't about them, it was about me. But anyway, I hated it. But no issues with my wife. But it is really interesting, right? Okay, so there's that, that, that's a difficulty. If you are married and you sleep in the same bed as most married couples do, this is an issue. Your sleep is going to have disturbances based on your inability to co-sleep. It's funny, isn't it? Like old school couples, you know, like 
a couple of generations ago, it's not uncommon for them to sleep in different beds in different rooms. I don't know if that's just an, an older school Aussie, potentially Aussie English thing. I don't know. Like different beds, different rooms. Married couples, you know, but they go to their own room in their own bed. And some, like, I noticed too, that the dude had a single bed and the chick had like a, you know, a double or a queen, but it's really interesting. Anyway, is what it is. Now, let's talk about the kids one. Reverse that. Even though you may end up being an adult who can't sleep with partners, as a kid, a lot of autistic kids can't go to sleep without co-sleeping. In other words, can't go to sleep or fall asleep without their mum or dad in their bed, the kid's bed, with them until they fall asleep and then sneaking out. That's what we, that's what we have to do with our, our autistic son, right, from when he was a, a young, young, right? Not in the crib, obviously, but, yeah, like so you read him books and so you don't just read him books go, good night, see you, mate, have a great day, catch you later, next show's tomorrow, right? It's, yeah, right, imagine that. Imagine living your life like that. I, oh, that would be amazing. If I had kids where I could say, all right, all right, boys, bedtime. Dad loves you. See you in the morning. Catch you later. That would be a, that's a dream. Do parents actually get to send kids to bed and then just move on with their life? Is that that's not a real thing, right? It cannot be a real thing. It makes no sense. It sounds fanciful to me, frankly. But it's not for us. Not the case. All right, bedtime. Let's go. Like we on a bed. We've got to read books. We've got to lay down with them. We've got to talky, talky, talky. This is the thing, right? They calm their mind by we allow them to debrief the day. They debrief the day with us in bed, mostly my wife. And then they try to fall asleep and they fall asleep. But we're right there in the bed with them, in the bed with them. And then we've got to sneak out and continue our night. Co-sleeping. Either way, you're stuffed. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some research. And then I'm going to give you a couple of strategies that can help you. So there's some research out from Australia from... Uh, made a research in the University of Queensland and Autism CRC. They found that, this is amazing to me, fat molecules called lipids or lipids, I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm saying it right, may play a role in sleep disturbances in autistic kids. Now, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because, well, you don't grow out of autism. So if this research is in autistic kids, in, frankly, in general terms, it makes sense to, to say, well, this is relevant to autistic adults because it's in our body. So let's have a listen. The findings published in the Journal of Nature Medicine associated the difference in lipid metabolism, which is the way our body processes fats. Now, the researchers investigated a panel of nearly 800 different fats in the blood plasma of 765 kids, including 485 diagnosed as autistic kids. What happened? Well, they identified a potential link between reduced levels of several long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids and poor sleep. Whoa. Whoa. What is that, mate? What are you talking about? Long-chain, long-chainy, acidy fat what? Huh? Okay. Chill, man. It's on a radio station. Long chain polyunsaturated fatty acids Ah, just essential fatty acids. Then why do you say that in the first place? What's wrong with you research people? If they're just essential fatty acids, that's what you call them. 
They are just essential fatty acids that the body cannot produce and must obtain through diet. Aha, right. Here we are, my friends. Listen up. Autistic kids, autistic parents, autistic people. So what what have we worked out? We need things that our body doesn't make. Our body can't produce. We have to get it through diet. But we're autistic. What does that mean? We have a restricted diet. Why? Could be any reason. Sensory issues mostly. The smell, the touch, the taste, the feel in your mouth, the texture, the, the tactile nature, all these types, the predictability. You know, fresh stuff. You, you can't rely on fresh stuff. It's good, it's bad, right? Comes out of a packet, same every time. Diet can be bad for autistic people. For legitimate reasons though, doesn't mean we can't get a better diet. What, if my wife decides to make a brand new meal for dinner one night, my son and I are just going to eat it? No, we're not. No, we're not. What is this? I've never had this before. You see what I'm saying? Okay, well then what are we going to do? We can't make them. We've got to get them through diet. What are we going to do? We have to do it. We have to. Do you want to sleep or not? Because it's saying this is an issue. This, this is a big thing. All right. So some of these fatty acids, I just went through puberty then, are found in fish oil, eggs, meat. They play an important role in neurodevelopmental, metabolism, and immune function. Seems pretty important, yeah? Studies have suggested that a deficiency in these fatty acids may increase the risk of various health problems, including cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and mental health disorders. That's a pretty good reason. Don't you reckon? So a potential link between reduced levels of certain long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids, (laughs) fatty acids, essential fatty acids, mate, and poor sleep. See the connection? We can't make them. We have to eat them. We have to get them in there somehow through diet. We aren't getting enough. Our sleep's bad. There's research there showing the link. Interestingly, though, the researchers found that the lipodome signatures of children with poor sleep were similar to signatures of an unhealthy diet, indicating a potential mechanism by which sleep problems contribute to poor health outcomes. So now we're going in this even more fascinating kind of journey. Isn't that amazing? Poor sleep, the signatures of poor sleep were similar to the signatures of an unhealthy diet. Wow. So obviously the next step for researchers is to investigate the links between sleep, diet, and autism, autistic traits from Infancy, childhood, and right, in my opinion, right through life. So we can better understand the factors affecting the issues here and, in turn, I guess, look at life outcomes. So how is, this, how is the poor diet causing poor sleep affecting things like education, employment, quality of life? Now, do we need research to answer that? Well, we do to make it legitimate, I guess, from a point of view of funding and things going forward, but we don't really do we like we know if you have a poor diet we now know you're not getting the essential fatty acids you need that's contributing to poor sleep poor sleep's contributing to poor health that's going to contribute to well issues with education 
employment and quality of life. Right? Fascinating. Well done, guys. Well done, University of Queensland. Autism CRC, everyone. Well done. Loving it. All right, let's finish on some strategies, my friends. Here's my first strategy. Uh, Get married and have kids. See ya. (laughs) No, that's not a strategy. That's a bad strategy. Sleep is essential for our physical and mental health. We now know that, right? Well, we need a good night's sleep to function properly, so how are we going to get that? All right. This is the first one. It's got got to have hygiene, guys. You have to establish consistent bedtime routines. Sleep hygiene. It signals the brain through. And this is the thing. Autistic people, we're so about routines, right? But our hygiene can be horrific. You can't nap every day or every second day or once every three days for four hours in the middle of the day and expect your sleep to be fine. That's not good hygiene. You don't need four hours during the day. I don't need it. I want it. But it's mostly because I want to, probably I want to pass time. Sure, you might be burnt out and you need to sleep all day for months. That's cool. But you have to, you still have to work out, do I though? Because I'm going to sleep tonight as well. So what's the right fit? What's the mix that's going to work for me? That's what it's about, getting that right. That's sleep hygiene. So in a routine, a bedtime routine, you're signaling to the brain, it's time to sleep now. And that helps relax the body. It knows it's time to sleep now. This is when I go to bed. Therefore, the mind and the body knows that and is able to transition to that more easily rather than shocking the body like, oh, I better go to bed now. It's, oh, I've got to get up tomorrow. Or, you, know, you know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. Or, oh, I really got to keep watch binging this show. I'm just going to stay up. It's like, and your body's like, whoa, this is really late. I can't go to sleep now. I'm overtired. Really important. Another helpful strategy is use sensory stuff, right? Sensory tools. Now, Weighted blankets are interesting. The, f- the reason why they're interesting is I think weighted blankets are great for that, that kind of that warm bear hug that people love. It can really make you feel good. But also you don't want to have that on you all night. Now, you may, you may be good enough to be able to throw it off yourself throughout the night when it's not appropriate anymore. Maybe you know, you're too hot or too sweaty or it's too heavy or whatever, right? But, I mean, it's like let's say a kid. I mean, you, you put a weighted blanket on a kid and they go to sleep and you just leave them. That's probably bad. If they could overheat, they could get trapped. Uh, the worst stuff. I'd say it's you've got to you've got to look at it from a obviously from a common sense point of view. You know what other things like a noise machine really helps our family. So you, literally, I'm not talking like ten twenty bucks, just a little thing you plug into the PowerPoint and it just you just turn it on. It's you know just that white noise. That's the worst white noise ever. Uh, but yeah, I'm not joking when I say we have a white noise machine in both the boys' rooms, and it's on every night. White noise at a very minimal level, so you can hear it, but you, you can just hear it, right? And that just takes the edge off. It helps. I'm, I'm just giving you stuff that works for us. I think that really does also tell the brain it's sleep time now. White noise time, calm, relax, it promotes it. Autistic people can also find it helpful to use things, I guess, that promote sleep like essential oils, so lavender oil, those types of things, aromatherapy, that might work. That Some people talk about the lavender spray. It's funny because some people swear by the lavender spray. You spray it into one of my, our boys' rooms and that's the best way to keep them awake for the next 50 years. It's not, it's like, no, too much. It, you know, what works for some doesn't work for others. So while others find it helpful to use 
relaxation techniques like those types of things. Others might find it more mindful stuff that works. So deep breathing exercises, meditation, yoga, just calming the mind, promoting sleep. Mindfulness stuff is really important. Trust me. It's like it's, you'd be surprised. You don't need to be an expert. Just turn everything off, all devices, everything off. Sit down in a chair somewhere and just be. Just be. And what I'm saying is it's great before bed because you're not telling yourself to shut up. You're not talking. You're not interacting. There's no, nothing else around. You're in a room by yourself sitting on a chair allowing your brain to be heard. Get it out, mate. Just get it out. It, it is what it is. Don't judge it. Just let it. Because trust me, it'll burn itself out eventually and it'll be done. And then you'll be relaxed. You should try it. Bottom line is any technique that can help you relax, reduce your anxiety, is going to make it easy to fall asleep, right? It's promoting relaxation and that's going to help you. And I hope some of these strategies do help you. And more importantly, I hope that talking about sleep has in fact made you sleepy. Because now, my friends, it's time for a nap. My friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. Before you go to sleep, though, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for watching the video podcast, listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Your support is amazing. I hope you've learned some new stuff today. And once again, until our next podcast, thank you so much for being here. And we'll talk soon. And have a good sleep. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.